Welcome to the Planning for the Certainty of Uncertainty podcast with Jonathan Cutton, Private Wealth Advisor, 2019 Barron's Hall of Fame Advisor, awarded to advisors who have, for 10 years, been on one or more of Barron's top 100 financial advisor lists, 2022 Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisor, and CEO of Cutton Wealth Management, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC. This podcast offers a broad range of financial planning concepts to help you and your loved ones live brilliantly now and into the future. Jonathan will provide you with concepts that bring you confidence, simplicity, and success on your journey to financial and retirement security. Join us as we explore ways to help you feel more assured, connected, and in control of your financial life. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome again to another Planning for the Certainty of Uncertainty podcast with Jonathan Cutton. Today we're going to talk about asset allocation. All right, John, you're going to have to start out by defining what we're going to be talking about today. Happy to do it, Matt. Happy to be here. From my perspective, when you think about asset allocation, I think you and I came up with it after our last podcast where we talked a little bit right about the building blocks, the four cornerstones, and we started to talk about fixed and equity assets. So when you think about how to construct a portfolio, a portfolio, in my opinion, should be constructed with a goal in mind. So I feel like, Matt, many Americans just invest money and say, my goal is to get the best rate of return possible. By and far, that's how most folks look at investments and say, I want to get 10 or 12 or 20 or 15 percent, which in my experience is not very realistic. It's really about what is the goal? What is my time frame? What is the risk tolerance? What is the tax situation of the client or the investor to actually determine what the right asset allocation or the right blend of assets are? So there are lots and lots and lots of different asset classes, and it's growing even, right, with new types of investments being structured. So philosophically, I've always used what I call the the Harry Markowitz theory of asset allocation, which was actually a Nobel Prize winning economic theory. Can't give you the date because I don't remember exactly the date, but it was a while ago. I can tell you that. And what Mr. Markowitz's thesis was, is in essence that 91% of how a portfolio performs is based on the asset class that you are in. I'll say that again, 91% of a portfolio's performance is based on the asset class that you are investing in. The other 9% is dependent on things like security selection, which particular security you you chose, and market timing, when you get in and when you get out of the market. So to make that really simple, what Mr. Markowitz would say, and I'm very aligned to this theory, by the way, is big picture. It's more about how you allocate what percentage of your portfolio is in the stock market versus the bond market, what percentage is in large cap stocks versus mid cap or small cap international value or growth and the list goes on and that's where the value or the the battle is actually ultimately won 
Markowitz won the Nobel Prize in 1990, but a lot of this was based off of an article that he wrote in the, the 1950s. Internet. Woohoo! Gotta love yeah, the internet. Okay, wow. but you also talked about a couple, it, it was, so I want to unpack a little bit more because I, 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 I get that, but you used the word risk, but you also talked about time frames. Well, how does all of that work together? There are some rules of thumbs out there, and, and this, by the way, is no recommendation, so you have to be careful with rules of thumb. But for the most part, the longer away the goal is, the more time you have, which is where investments that are generally more volatile, like stocks and stock mutual funds, et cetera, give you more time to deal with the ups and downs of the market. So as an example, Matt, I'm 49 years old. So at age 49, when I invested when I was in my early 20s, my time frame for retirement as a 22-year-old, my goal was to retire at 62, was 40 years. It's a long time. Back then, I was willing to be very aggressive with my investments. And almost all of my savings for retirement was in stocks and stock-oriented investments because I had 40 years. Now, fast forward today at 49, I'm feeling a little older. My goal is still to retire at 62. I've got 13 years. So with only 13 years to go, my portfolio is a lot more balanced. This is certainly not advice. You brought up risk. So it's the second time you brought up risk talent. So we've got to talk about this today because it's very interesting to me when some advisors talk about risk tolerance, they don't ask the next level question. They ask, what risk are you willing to, to take? And then when they put it in actual numbers, people look at it really differently. So how do you guys uh, talk about risk and, and how does that conversation evolve? One of the things that I found is most clients or investors in general believe their risk tolerance is actually higher than it is. You've got to get really good at asking questions. I usually ask, well, we, we do two things um, and have done this for years and years. One is I usually ask a question like this. You've got a million dollars put away for your future, just to use a, a starting point as an example. What would be a worse scenario for you? If the stock market and bond market together, we put together a diversified portfolio, we were fairly aggressive because you're a fairly aggressive investor from what you said, and the stock market was actually up 10% over the next year, and your portfolio was only up 8%. Would that be a really bad scenario for you? Or how would you feel if you had a million dollars in a portfolio and the stock market was down 10%, but you were down 20? So in one scenario, your portfolio went from a million to a million 80, I believe in my example, instead of the 1.1, the market average. In the other scenario, instead of going from a million to 900,000, you went from a million to 800,000. Which would you prefer least, Matt? <laughs> I love where you're going here because it's that fear of loss, right? That is so much more motivating than that 
that, and I'm saying little bit, cause that's really not a little bit of a gain. Yes. I would much rather not lose 20%. <laughs> yes. and, I, and I would say, uh, truly 95%, I would guess of our clients answer it that way. 5% actually say, well, I, I'm okay because I'm in it for 30 years or 40 years or whatever it may be. And then the second thing that we'll do is we'll use a tool that looks at actual performance in portfolios and be able to show a client, if you had this exact portfolio, in essence, here's what would have happened during COVID's market crash. Here's what would have happened in 2008. Here's what would have happened in 02. So a client can actually look at it and say, wow, I could have actually lost 38% of my portfolio. And then to be able to show a client more of a conservative portfolio or a moderately conservative portfolio that might have showed in that same period of time, hypothetically, instead of losing 38%, only losing, only being the operative word, 18%. Neither feel good, by the way, but one of the things, Matt, one of my favorite things, and I stole this from a mentor of mine, I think in my first year or two in the business, and what he said to uh, a client that we work on jointly is he said, there are savers and there are investors. If you want to be a saver, you can be guaranteed that you will likely never lose money because savers buy guaranteed investments that have no risk or very, very, very little risk. Investors are going to lose money at some point in their investing life cycle. And that's really, Matt, what asset allocation is all about. It's about devising a portfolio. This is what Markowitz theory does that creates inverse correlation, or at least attempts to create inverse correlation in portfolios, which is a fancy way of saying you don't want everything in your portfolio going up at the same time, because if everything's going up at the same time, then guess what? likelihood is, is everything's going to go down at the same time. So when you create the right allocation or diversity, there are asset classes that are able to rise in a rising interest rate environment or a lower falling interest rate environment, so on, et cetera. And that's really what we try to do is to help clients to the best of our ability. And this is not science, by the way, and not guaranteed, but create a smoother experience if you can have a smoother experience in alignment with your risk tolerance, the likelihood that you stay invested for the long term is much greater than having peaks and valleys and having to deal with that emotion. And one of the things that have been studied over and over and over again, and I say this to clients all the time, as does our team, is it is time in the market that gets performance. It's time in, and the key is to not try to time it, but to be in it in the right proportion for a long period of time. When you are working with a client and you're working with them for 10 or 15 years, have you noticed that their risk tolerance and their just kind of tolerance for all of that stuff does change because of life changes? And how does that work? Yeah, I, I, I would say for the most part, Matt, my experience tells me risk tolerance doesn't generally change if you've assessed it correctly. 
if, if you've assessed it correctly, I've gotten to know the client, we've asked the right questions, et cetera, but we've done that due diligence up front, the risk tolerance hasn't changed. Now, the tolerance to losing money is different than risk tolerance. So what do I mean when I say that? The tolerance to losing money when you're 22 or 49 versus 62 and just retired, that's a different tolerance to lose money because the purpose of money switches. What do I mean when I say that? There's two phases to any goal, whether it's retirement, college, buying a house, buying a vacation home, there's the accumulation phase and the access phase. The accumulation phase is that period of time that you have to build up the asset base to attain that goal. The risk tolerance doesn't change, but the ability to emotionally deal with losses during that longer period of time is greater for most people because they can look at it and go, hey, I'm 49, I don't need this money till I'm 62, it went down a little, maybe I should buy some more, which I'd like to hit rebalancing in a minute. However, if I was 61 and my goal was to put in my retirement paperwork in six months and I had some losses in my portfolio, my ability to deal with that risk is much less. A long-winded way of saying that, again, it goes back to that age versus how you design your portfolio, the closer you get to the goal, this is a problem most people have, is they don't necessarily, their risk tolerance doesn't change, but their equity to fixed income allocation should, and many times it does not, because that client is enjoying, especially if we're in a bull market like we have been, the appreciation of their assets. All right. Well, you did open the can of worms there for rebalancing. So let's talk about that because that's a huge component of also what Markowitz was talking about with asset allocation. It sure is the often part that advisors skip uh, and clients skip, which is what, what we like to do in our practice is rebalance portfolios annually. Now, not every client chooses to do it. Sometimes we do it more often. There's been a large swing up or down in the market. So sometimes market performance or lack thereof creates a more opportune time to actually rebalance a portfolio. The reality of it, Matt, is, is when you think about rebalancing, if I was supposed to have 20% of my portfolio in investment grade corporate bonds, and I was supposed to have 20% of my portfolio in large cap growth stocks, and that was part of my allocation. If, if a year later, the corporate bond index dropped 10% and the large cap growth index grew by 20%, what would happen is my 20% in large cap growth now went to 24, up 20%, and my 20% in corporate bonds dropped 10%, so it went from 20 to 18%. What human nature is, well, is just leave what's in large cap growth because it's done so well, let it keep growing. That's human nature. What Markowitz's theory and how we look to manage assets is if the goal and the risk tolerance and the allocation is for each of those asset classes to have 20% and 20%, well, what, what should we do? Like our good friend Warren Buffett said, right? What do we want to do? You want to buy low and you want to try to sell high. So if something went up 20%, pretty good time maybe to lock in some profits 
And if something dropped by 10%, if something goes on sale at Macy's, right, that sweater that you wanted, you go, you go buy it when it's down 10% in price, right? So we get to buy low. Now, that's not a blanket recommendation. There's taxes, there's other circumstances that you certainly need to take into account. But kind of big picture, theoretically, on an annual basis, if the portfolio was supposed to be 20% in five categories, just as an example, at the end of the year, we want to redistribute and get everything exactly back to that 20% in each category, unless the risk tolerance or the goal is changed. And if you do that consistently, what you're doing over time is you're continuously locking in some level of profit, selling that which has appreciated, and you are buying that which has not appreciated. And if you do that consistently over a long period of time, what will happen again is you'll stay in alignment with your your goals and your risk tolerance. Closing thoughts on this. It's more complicated than what I'm sharing. So I'm trying to make something really complex, simple. You can get into things like betas and alphas and standard deviation and how to analyze the underlying investments and how fees factor in to performance and taxes. But I think from a big picture perspective, the thought that I want to get across is how you manage money is more about diversity. It's more about having an approach and a system that you can stick to and have some some intentionality about the decisions that you're going to make. And I think it's been my experience that if you do that with consistency and some rigor over a long period of time, what will happen over a longer period of time and the longer the period of time, the better you have is portfolio performance begins to regress to a mean and it becomes fairly within a, a range, fairly predictable based on normal market behavior. I believe a financial advisor's job is not to get the client simply the best rate of return. I believe it is to understand the client's goals, to understand their risk tolerance, to understand their objectives, their tax situation, et cetera, and to help construct a portfolio that will allow them to live their life, not look at their portfolio every minute of the day, and have a sense of purpose that they've designed something purposely that will stack the odds in their favor to achieve their goal. Intentionality, focusing on purpose, and really truly getting to know your client are the best things that you can have in order to have a great relationship with your financial advisor. John, thanks for your brain again. You got it. It hurts a little bit. So thanks for making it brief. <laughs> you are welcome. Thanks, everybody. If you do know somebody who could use this information, you can share this podcast very easily by just clicking on the link and clicking share. Because here's the thing. Some people really should know this stuff. And it's an easy way to introduce people to some good financial education. So for John and all of us here, we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thank you for listening to the Planning for the Certainty of Uncertainty podcast with Jonathan Cutton, Private Wealth Advisor, 2019 Barron's Hall of Fame Advisor, 2022 Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisor. Cutton Wealth Management offers comprehensive financial advice and a broad range of solutions to help you and your loved ones live brilliantly now and in the future. Have questions? Contact us at Cutton Wealth Management at ampf.com or give us a call at 800-455-4595. Don't forget to click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. 
This podcast provides general information, is not intended to provide investment advice, and does not account for individual investor circumstances. Investment decisions should always be made based on an investor's specific circumstances. Neither past performance nor any forecast guarantees future results. Investment products are not insured by the FDIC, NCUA, or any federal agency, are not deposits or obligations of or guaranteed by any financial institution, and involve investment risks, including possible loss of principal and fluctuation in value. Ameriprise Financial does not offer tax or legal advice. Consult your tax advisor or attorney. Ameriprise Financial has not reviewed and does not endorse any other podcast channel or material. Barron's Hall of Fame advisors have been ranked for 10 or more years on one of the following lists. Barron's Top 100 Financial Advisors, Barron's Top 100 Women Financial Advisors, or Barron's Top 100 Independent Financial Advisors. Barron's generates its ranking from a formulaic analysis of surveys answered by candidates regarding assets, revenue, and quality of practice including an advisor's regulatory and compliance record. Barron's is a registered trademark of Dow Jones LP, all rights reserved. This award is not indicative of the advisor's future performance. Neither Ameriprise Financial nor its advisors pay a fee to Barron's in exchange for the ranking. The Forbes Top Women, Best in State Women, and Best in State Wealth Advisor rankings are developed by Shook Research and are created using an algorithm that includes both qualitative, in-person, virtual, and telephone due diligence meetings, client impact, industry experience, review of best practices and compliance records, and firm nominations, and quantitative, assets under management, and revenue generated for their firm's data. Certain awards include a demographic component to qualify. Investment performance is not a criterion because client objectives and risk tolerances vary, and advisors rarely have audited performance reports. These rankings are based on the opinions of Shook Research LLC, are not indicative of future performance or representative of any one client's experience, and are based on data from the previous calendar year. Forbes Magazine and Shook Research do not receive compensation in exchange for placement on the ranking. For more information, www.shookresearch.com. Shook is a registered trademark of Shook Research, LLC. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC. Ameriprise Financial Advisors are individually registered to do business only in certain states. Please refer to an advisor's personal website for additional details. The hypothetical rate of return is for illustration purposes only and is not meant to represent the past or future returns of any specific investment or investment strategy or to imply guaranteed earnings. This illustration does not reflect sales charges or other expenses that may be required for some investments. Asset allocation does not assure a profit or protect against loss.